The Rogue Ghost, Episode 8 The Enchanted Spectacles, once a crucial ally in my endeavors, had recently become unreliable for me, probably due to the arcane magic shielding the tracking tattoo on my neck. It was clear they needed a new guardian. With a silent resolve, I extended the spectacles towards Runeweaver. They were more than just a pair of glasses, they were a symbol of trust and the evolving nature of our journey together. As she accepted them, a subtle shimmer indicated their adaptation to a new owner, a sign that they were ready to serve her as faithfully as they had served me. Greetings once again, esteemed allies in our journey through the veiled paths of mystery. The odyssey of secrets we tread upon continues unabated. Each step shrouded in the profound darkness of clandestine secrets and intrigue. The enigma of our very existence unfurls like a grand tapestry before us, with every revelation edging us closer to the culmination of our quest. Allow me, the rogue ghost, alongside my steadfast companion Runeweaver, to guide you through recent events where the essence of love and mystery intertwined amidst the enchanting avenues of Paris. The magnetic allure of Paris, often revered as the city of love, called to us with an undeniable pull, its charm woven into the very fabric of its streets. The city seemed to whisper secrets of ages past with each cobblestone pathway and historic corner hinting at concealed truths waiting to be uncovered. Our arrival in this timeless metropolis, facilitated by the mystical workings of a shadow gate traverse, was laden with the gravity of a quest destined to reveal secrets far more complex and bewitching than we had ever anticipated. In their characteristic flair for the unexpected, the elusive guild of door builders, the architects behind the network of magical portals, had chosen our point of entry with a touch of whimsy. The Shadow Gate materialized us right outside the iconic Louvre Pyramid, a landmark rich in both history and wonder. It was as if Paris itself had flung open its arms, welcoming us into a nexus where history intertwined with the present, a symphony of mystery and revelations. Shrouded by the protective cloak afforded by my angel's enchanted music box, Runeweaver, and I ventured toward the famed Pont Nazar, commonly referred to as Love Lock Bridge, an emblem of love's declarations, once adorned with padlocks left by lovers from all corners of the globe. Yet, upon our approach, a wave of disquiet descended upon us. The Cerberus Syndicate, those relentless rivals in the puzzle box quest, had already marked this romantic sight with their ominous presence. Their shadow loomed over the bridge, tainting the once idyllic atmosphere with a palpable sense of danger. This sobering realization served as a chilling reminder that even amidst the most bewitching of locales, peril could lurk unseen, ever-present in the background. Yet, our arrival in Paris was not solely marked by the specter of danger. It was also steeped in a poignant mix of emotions, as it stirred a flood of memories of my dearly missed angel. Paris, a city renowned for its captivating charm and romantic avenues, had been the setting for several of our past visits, yet these trips were far from leisurely. 
Each was orchestrated under the directive of the Spectrus Order, each step and action a part of covert operations, starkly contrasting with the city's famed delights. During those times, shrouded in secrecy and driven by our covert missions, we often spoke wistfully of returning to Paris under different circumstances. We dreamed of a time when we could wander its storied streets and lush parks, unburdened by the clandestine duties that shadowed us. We imagined a Paris experienced in the pure, unadulterated light of simple pleasure, free from the complex web of our responsibilities. But, as is often the case, fate had other designs. It spun a narrative that cruelly precluded the realization of our shared aspirations. The chance to rediscover Paris, to revel in its beauty and immerse ourselves in its romantic essence, was mercilessly taken from us. What remained in its wake was a poignant echo of unfulfilled dreams and a deep sense of yearning for what might have been. The streets of Paris, with their timeless allure, now whispered not just of love and beauty, but also of lost opportunities and a longing that time could never quite erase. Okay folks, let me spill some behind-the-scenes action. When we found out that our Rapirio was basically a New York City-only GPS tracker, I was this close to jazzing myself up with some hot pink and electric blue hair dye. I figured, why not throw the Romanos off my scent with a new look, right? But RG, ever the voice of reason, said that I'd stick out like a neon sign in a blackout. So, scratch the punk rock makeover. But hey, RG wasn't about to leave me hanging. He slips me his enchanted glasses, and just like that, I'm promoted to head honcho of our magical surveillance. And get this, the mystical tattoo inked on my wrist? It's the golden key to unlocking all the bells and whistles of these wizardly specs. Who knew a little ink could open the door to such high-grade enchantment? Now, flash forward to a stepping foot in Paris, those glasses were like my new best friend, sniffing out syndicate baddies like they were truffles. But here's where it gets twisty, how the heck were the syndicate tailing us? Their rapirios were all about the Big Apple, not Paris. And we'd only just cracked the latest riddle in Santa's cryptic Christmas card, something those syndicate snoops shouldn't have had any clue about. But something was bugging me even more. Why didn't RG just wear these wonder specs all the time? Valid question, right? His answer? Turns out, that magic deadening ritual he went through in Australia to hide his crow-tracking tattoo, it put a serious damper on his ability to use the enchanted glasses. He can't wear them long before their magic fizzles out for him. My fingers were crossed that this was the only hiccup caused by that little patch of dead skin on his neck. Like, what about our trusty music box, working overtime to keep our pretty faces off the grid when our shimmered personas were not in town? The last thing we need is for that little lifesaver to go on the fritz too, right? In this high-stakes game of hide-and-seek we're playing, we can't afford even a hiccup, especially not from our magical gizmos. So, here I am, Miss One Woman, early warning system, rocking those mystical glasses full-time. I've got to say, they're pretty nifty, like having superhero vision, minus the cool costume. Though, I wouldn't say no to a pair of chic-tinted lenses. Function and fashion folks, it's all about the balance.
as we stood in the shadow of the syndicate's agents, poised like hawks ready to swoop down upon their prey, the necessity for utmost caution at the Pont des Arts became starkly apparent. The probability that our arrival in Paris hadn't gone unnoticed was high. I surmised they might have already crafted a new batch of Paris-specific repirios, tailored to track us in this new locale. Our past skirmishes with them in the concrete jungle of New York City had taught us the invaluable lesson of stealth. To blend seamlessly into the Parisian backdrop, we activated our hacked shimmer rings, adopting the guise of unassuming elderly tourists. This was not just a disguise but a shield, a critical stratagem to elude the prying eyes of the syndicate. As we delved deeper into the entwined tales of love and mystery that the City of Light harbored, its layers began to unfold before us, each more intriguing than the last. The Pont des Arts, once a vibrant canvas of lovers' commitments, now held concealed truths, secrets we were intent on uncovering. With the syndicate's watchful agents ever present, we moved with the subtlety of shadows, embarking on a covert rendezvous with a local French historian. It was in the depths of Paris' rich history that we hoped to find the crucial keys to unlock the enigma before us. So, in our search for clues, R.G. and I organized a meetup with Juliette Renard, the local scholar I found on the web, who documented all the locks. Picture a woman so deep into Love Padlock's lore that she could write a book on it. Before those locks got yanked off the Pondazar, she was the go-to guru, cataloging them like they were precious artifacts. Meeting her? It was like stumbling upon a lighthouse in the middle of a dense foggy mystery. Now, about those hacked shimmer rings we've got? Not only do they disguise our looks, but they've also got this sweet enchantment trick that turns us into instant French speakers. There I was, chattering away in French, and mind you, my whole French repertoire used to be a few high school phrases. The real magic? I'm understanding every word Chiliad's throwing at us, like we're BFFs gossiping over coffee. We get Chiliad chatting, and let me tell you, her brain's like an encyclopedia on steroids. She starts unraveling tales and facts, and we're soaking it all up. Then, out of nowhere, she hits us with this mind-blowing piece of info, the padlock we're chasing after might just be the OG of the Pondazar. Yeah, you heard me. Before the whole lovelock craze exploded in 2008, there was this one padlock, the first of its kind, like the Adam and Eve of Lovers padlocks. Now, get this, an engineer working on the bridge's facelift back in the early 1980s finds this lock, all alone on the old bridge. Maybe he's a sucker for superstition, or perhaps he just gets how special it is. Whatever his reason, when 1984 rolls around and they're cutting the ribbon on the new bridge, this guy makes sure our mystery lock is there, front and center. It's like he's got a sixth sense for romance, or maybe he just knows a good story when he sees one. So here we are, with Juliet spinning this tale, and R.G. and I are hanging on to every word. It felt like we were one whisper away from cracking this whole thing wide open. The air was crackling with the kind of anticipation that gets your heart racing. This wasn't just another clue, it was a golden ticket, a leap forward in our crazy quest for the puzzle boxes. This newfound insight unfurled before us a realm of tantalizing possibilities. Could it be that the padlock adorned with the twin turtle doves was more than a mere symbol of enduring affection? Might it indeed harbor a secret, meticulously safeguarded through the years, 
now lying in wait for us to decipher its enigmatic lore? Armed with this intriguing hypothesis, we ventured forth, fueled by the conviction that this particular lock might just be the crucial linchpin in our search for the second puzzle box. Our path was illuminated further by Chiliet, who steered us towards a certain Philippe Laurent, a connoisseur of the arts and an avid collector. Philippe, she revealed, had acquired numerous clusters of these romantic tokens from various auctions. Intriguingly, he showcased these locks, each a testament to a lover's vow, within his own art gallery, a locale that now beckoned us with the promise of being instrumental in our odyssey. However, as the tide of Cerberus Syndicate agents swelled around the Pondazar, a bastion of romance now shadowed by the presence of our pursuers, we found ourselves at a pivotal juncture. Wisdom and strategy necessitated that we retreat from this increasingly fraught area, to reassess and recalibrate our approach. The situation demanded we exercise discretion, it was imperative that we withdraw to consider our next move, away from the prying eyes and ever-watchful gaze of the syndicate. Our resolve in the quest never wavered, yet the reality of Runeweaver's compromised identity brought its own set of challenges. Most pressing was the inaccessibility of her financial resources. My own existence, largely untouched by the need for the world's currency, had reached a precarious point. The reserves I had relied upon during our visit to the bustling metropolis of New York City had dwindled to mere whispers of their former abundance. Thus, we now found ourselves in a pressing situation, one that required a more significant amount of mundane currency than I typically handled. We needed to equip our newly established sanctuary with the essential technological tools Runeweaver required to unleash her unique brand of digital wizardry. This endeavor led us back to the labyrinthine streets of London, to the doorstep of my trusted magic dealer. Reluctantly, I parted with one of the remaining magic shots from my dwindling supply. In the covert realm of enchanters, Magic time is not merely a resource, it is a currency of unparalleled value, its moments capable of commanding a significant price. My long-standing rapport with the dealer, forged over numerous transactions, assured a fair and equitable trade. In line with the ancient traditions that govern our covert transactions, the dealer did not offer conventional currency in exchange for my magic time. Instead, he presented a collection of jewels, 35 small, yet exquisitely luminescent sapphires, all nestled within a modest pouch. Their sparkling allure represented more than just wealth, they were tokens of potential and opportunity. Armed with these sapphires, we soon converted 30 of them into a substantial sum of money, keeping five back for unseen emergencies. This newfound financial resource was not simply currency, it was a key to unlocking the next phase of our quest, a crucial element in ensuring the continuation of our journey through the veil of secrets and shadows that lay ahead. Oh, let me tell you about the absolute blast I had going on a tech shopping spree that'd make any gadget geek swoon. Picture me, lit up like a kid in a candy store, eyes sparkling with every new piece of gear I snagged. We're talking top-of-the-line stuff, each piece a key player in our grand plan. Our mission? Transform the watermill basement from a dusty old relic into a high-tech fortress. Big thanks to Aunt V though. 
Before fate cruelly cut her story short, she'd put in the groundwork, fixing up the place so it was more fortress than fixer-upper. The bones were good, utilities were a go, secretly of course. Couldn't exactly drop a postcard to the utility companies with a, wish you were here, flip the switch will you? No, we needed some runeweaver magic to light up our lair without lighting up a beacon for every goon with a grudge. And light it up, I did. Under the radar, practically off the grid, with covert high-speed internet included, free of charge, of course. This watermill wasn't just our hideout. It was now the pulsing core of our cloak and dagger operations. Flashback to before my cover got blown sky high, I was neck deep in a Cerberus Syndicate eavesdropping project. Well, guess who's back in the game? My brain's been cooking up theories faster than a short-order chef, all about the syndicate's crafty cyber-whispers across the web. Now, armed like a techie's dream, I'm all set to jump into this digital rabbit hole with both feet. And get this, we even rescued a sad-looking fake Christmas tree from the clutches of a dumpster. Dressed up with some killer Christmas lights, it's now reigning supreme in our new lair. Because why not? I bet Santa Claus would give us a thumbs up for keeping the Yuletide vibe alive in our mission. We've got an all-year pass to the Christmas spirit, courtesy of our festive mission, right? So there I was, in our tricked-out watermill, surrounded by screens, wires, and Christmas lights, like some sort of cyberpunk detective. The basement was my own personal mission control. Each keystroke, each click, brought us closer to cracking the syndicate's secret code. It was like peeling back the layers of an onion, except this onion was wrapped in riddles and encrypted in mystery. The thrill of the chase was back, and I was in my element, decoding, deciphering, and unveiling the twisted web of communication that the syndicate thought they had so cleverly hidden. With the watermill now fully equipped with all necessary equipment and Runeweaver's syndicate spying project underway, we once again found ourselves threading through the romantic tapestry of Paris, heading towards the extraordinary Galerie de Reva. This art gallery, a sanctuary of creative expression, stood distinct from its peers. It was within its enchanting walls that Philippe Laurent had chosen to showcase the myriad of lover's locks he had acquired from various auctions. Stepping into this realm of artistic marvels, we were immediately enveloped by an array of timeless masterpieces, each resonating with tales from days long gone. Yet, our quest drew our gaze not to these renowned works of art, but to a more unassuming yet equally significant collection, one that promised to unlock the next chapter in our mystical journey. So, here's the scoop. RG and I, hearts pounding with determination, set our sights on Philippe Laurent, the guy practically babysitting these legendary lovelocks. We flicked on our French switch, smooth as velvet, like we were undercover spies in a high-stakes game. We weave this intricate dance of conversation, all charm and sharp wits, trying to hook some juicy details about Philippe's precious collection of love locks. And Philippe? He's all class, playing the gracious host to our Sherlock Holmes routine, letting us dive into his collection like it's a treasure trove. We're in full-on detective mode, eyes sharp, sifting through lock after lock. Our mission? To spot the one flaunting this delicate pair of turtle doves, the ultimate symbol of love that just doesn't quit. We've got this hunch, see, that this particular lock is our golden ticket, the piece that's going to crack the next puzzle box wide open. 
And then, like a scene straight out of a movie, we find it. Amidst a sea of pledges and promises, there it is, the padlock we've been chasing. It's like the universe decided to throw us a bone, with this beautiful lock sitting right there, waiting for us. The way those doves are etched into it, it's more than just metal, it's like a silent storyteller, whispering its history and secrets right into our ears. Holding the padlock tenderly, a subtle yet pivotal clue revealed itself, etched discreetly on the reverse side of this artifact steeped in history. There, inscribed with precision into the metal, were the words, Forge Tort Chu, a cryptic nod to its creator. Moreover, the padlock bore a date, the year 1950, etched with pride, offering a glimpse into the time of its creation. To validate our findings, we turned to the Christmas card, and true to our expectations, the lantern upon it flared with a confirming brilliance, signaling that we had indeed stumbled upon the next crucial piece of this intricate puzzle. This revelation granted us a valuable lead, a name from which to unfurl the next layer of our mysterious pursuit. The origins of the padlock had now propelled us deeper into our mysterious quest, and we stood ready to trace its lineage, wherever that journey might lead. Paris, with its tapestry of romance and veiled secrets, had reaffirmed its role as a city abundant in revelations and unspoken tales. As we navigated further into this intertwining maze of affection and mysteries, the ever-present shadows of the Cerberus Syndicate drew nearer, a constant reminder of the dangers that lurked just beyond our sight. Yet, undeterred, we steeled ourselves for the forthcoming challenges. The enigmatic tapestry of existence continued to unravel before us, revealing its secrets one puzzle at a time, and we remained resolute in our pursuit to decipher each one. Until next time, my kindred spirits, keep the flame of belief ever burning.